Hey guys, it's Heaven from Just a Grown True Crime, and today I'm going to be telling you about this app called Anchor. It helped me start my podcast, and it can help you start yours. Anchor is a free app that lets you use it from your phone or your computer. So if you want to do it on the go, and you want to just record, you can record one. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more to get your own podcast out there. You can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you want in just one podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I did. What are you waiting for? Hey guys, welcome back to Just a Grown True Crime. I'm your host, Heaven, and tonight we're going to be doing part two of the Gabriel Fernandez story. So let's do a little recap of what we covered in part one. So we learned about Gabriel's home life, how it was with his grandparents, his uncle, and his uncle's husband. And then we also learned about Gabriel's home life when he lived with Pearl Nassaro. And it was very clear from before that her family was not happy that Gabriel was living with them, as in Pearl Nassaro. We learned that Gabriel confided in his teacher into some of the abuse that he endured in the home with Pearl and Asaro. We also talked about two social workers named Maria Rodriguez and Kevin Baum, who we briefly discussed. And now we're going to just hop right into part two. I'm not sure if part two is going to be as long as part one, but we'll see. So we're just going to hop right into it. And I'm, if I'm echoing, I'm sorry. I'm in my dining room. So let's just hop in right to it, shall we? Let me move my mic real quick so you can hear me better. Okay. So now that we're caught up, we're going to hop right back into the case. Maria ended up speaking with Pearl by telephone, who said Gabriel had fallen off the top bunk and suffered some scratches and bruises. Later that day, Maria did go over to the family home, and that afternoon, and she observed Gabriel had some small bruises and slight swelling on his face. But Gabriel told Maria that he had been playing tag with his brother on the top bunk in the dark. I don't know who plays. I think that would be hard to play tag on your top bunk bed in the dark. I mean, that's just me. But he told her that. And then when he pulled away, he fell face first and he fell onto a bicycle that was stored right next to the bed. Gabriel also claimed that he told his teacher that same account and he denied telling his teacher that his mom had shot him in the face with a BB gun. His siblings as well told the social worker that they, that he'd fallen off the top bunk onto the, onto the bicycle as well. They also denied that someone had shot 
anyone with a BB gun. So they were like, yeah, no one was shot with a BB gun. That's what they were saying. I firmly believe they were told, you need to lie. And that's what I think as much as from part one and as in part two, we're definitely going to see that they were being coached in some way, somehow to lie. Okay. Pearl ended up telling Maria that she didn't know why Gabriel would say she shot him with a BB gun. She also said and made it, not said or made, she told Maria that Gabriel had recently approached her saying that he was angry and he began hitting himself in the face. Maria then discussed family, the family um, preservation case plan with Pearl, who then did sign it. But Maria did not report the new allegations regarding the BB gun to DCFS hotline. And she didn't update the body chart for Gabriel to indicate the bruising and the swelling on his face. So remember how I talked about a body chart in the last one where social workers have a body chart of a child or I guess somebody I'm mainly a child who is in an abusive home and they have this body chart to basically document the bruising to see if it increases or decreases but she just did not she did not up it so they never technically had any Proof, I guess I can say that he had that on his face when she went to visit because she did not up the, update the body chart. All right. On January 31st in 2013, Maria and Kevin Baum signed a case transfer check list, effectively transferring the case to the family preservation. The case was transferred to petitioner Gregory Merritt, a supervisor social worker in the Family Preservation Unit, who assigned the case to petitioner Pat Clement. Now, Gregory Merritt and Kevin Baum are the supervisors of in this story. And Maria, and I think her real name's Patricia, but I call her Pat. I don't know why, are the ones who go out and do the work. And Kevin and Greg just kind of like sign off on shit. So I'm going to pronounce this person's last name, this other person. Her name is Carmen Lenorgat from the Children's Center of Antelope Valley, was assigned to provide in-home counseling services. Carmen visited the family home approximately between and including February 8th, 2013 and March 6th, 2013. So she would frequently do the counseling sessions. Um, Pat accompanied, accompanied Carmen during the February 13th, 2013 visit and completed a family risk assessment that scored the family as having high level risk of abuse, a level between moderate and very high. 
Carmen found no safety issues for the for the children in the home on each of her visits. So basically, when she went, nothing was a danger to them. They were fine. Everything was fine in the house. All right. On February 27th, 2013, however, Pearl ended up showing Carmen a suicide note that Gabriel had written stating, um, before I read this, I put, I wrote what I thought he meant to say because like it didn't have it all spelled out. So I'm guessing this is what he meant to say. And this is what the letter stated. I love you so much that I will kill myself and I love you until you die. I don't know if it was supposed to be I or you die, but that's what it said. The note included a drawing showing two characters upside down as well. Carmen reported the matter to DCFS and the LA County Sheriff's Department. And the sheriff's deputies visited the home, but no arrests were made. Now, if you remember, we're going to go back real quick. When they called the sheriff, like the department or whatever, and they made Gabriel sit in the back of a police car saying if he didn't stop lying, he would go to prison. So, I mean, that would just traumatize any child, I think. But they came out, like I said, and no arrests were made. During another visit... In March 1st, not in, I'm sorry, on March 1st, 2013, Pat discussed Gabriel's suicide note with Pearl. She noted that Gabriel is having angry and confusing thoughts about his mom and his grandparents, and he is working with this in counseling. Okay. On March 6th, Carmen and Pat visited the home again and reported that the children appeared healthy and observed no child safety risk at home. Pat also reported that the children attended school on a regular basis, but in fact the people would later assert that it was false. They weren't going to school at the time and we're going to touch base in that later on in this episode. Pat assessed Pearl was overwhelmed with her own emotional pain and feels that having family preservation service is too much for her. Okay, just let that sink in. We're going to take a minute and we're just going to let that Pearl was just feeling very overwhelmed. Everybody let that sink in real quick while I get a drink. Alright, so did you all let that lovely thing sink in? Because that makes no fucking sense to me. Pat concluded, Pearl is unwilling to continue counseling and is refusing services. And, get this, the social worker, Pat, recommended the DCFS case the DCF, DCFS to close the case. Like, what the fuck? So we let people who are involved with, like, children and services and everything, we let them decide, 
hey, you know, I don't want to do this. We could, And they go, yeah, you know what, we could just close this case for you. It's okay. No, that, that's not how that works, guys. Um, in connection with closing the case, Pat prepared a safety assessment and a risk assessment concerning Gabriel. The safety assessment included the following, which the people contended are false. Gabriel has the cognitive, I think I pronounced that wrong, physical and emotional capacity to, to participate in safety intervention. And then it said like Pearl had like them same three things in her safety intervention. Now get this. Pearl has willing willingness to recognize problems and threats placing Gabriel in intimate danger. Pearl has the ability to ability to access resources to provide necessary safety intervention. Pearl has supportive relationships with one or more persons who may be willing and able to accept their assistance. There is evidence of a healthy relationship between Pearl and Gabriel. Yeah, okay. Please tell me in everything that we heard in part one, and what you're going to hear later, how did they have a healthy relationship? He wanted to be loved by his mother, and his own mother showed him no love and attention. She, di- she didn't care. She did not want him, like we talked about in part one. She gave her son, who was three days old, to her uncle, but they have a good relationship. Okay. And Pearl is aware of and committed to meeting the needs of Gabriel. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say she failed that a long time ago. Alright. Pat indicated in the risk assessment that Pearl didn't have any medical, not medical, mental health issues. And that she has either demonstrated new skills new skills consistent with case plan objective objectives or is actively engaged in services to gain such skills the risk assessment produced a risk score of six which correlates to a risk of high under dcfs rules a case with a high risk level cannot be closed unless supervisor exercises a discretionary override the people contended that this will that this statement is false based on evidence that gabriel was absent from school 37 days out of the 121 days he was enrolled at summer wind elementary school but if we go back to what i just said the social worker said that um, they were going to school, like everything like that was fine when, like I said, the people were like, yeah, that's not true. And they just said, no, he was absent 37 days, right?
Gregory exercised that discretion and reduced the risk level to moderate, thereby allowing the case to be closed. The rate, the reason Gregory gave for the override was mothers, prov mothers providing is safe, nurturing home for the children. Mother's boyfriend has developed a caring parental relationship with children, and the children are going to school and receiving counseling. Barbara Dixon, a therapist intern, conducted therapy sessions on Gabriel in March, April, and May of 2013. During a session on March 25, 2013, Gabriel and Pearl disclosed that Dick, to Dixon that he had been sexually abused by a relative about three years earlier while he was living with his maternal grandmother. Dixon then reported it to the DCFS hotline, which prompted a new referral concerning Gabriel, and that referral was assigned to Ah, oh, man, I'm going to butcher this name. Kayana Hadley. According to Hadley, Pat informed her that the new allegations were being addressed in therapy, that there were no present concerns, and that she was preparing to close the family preservation case. It does not appear that Pat or any or the or any other of the petitioners had any further involvement in that referral. So I don't know what happened. That just didn't go anywhere, I guess. On April 7, 2013, Gregory approved of the safety assessment and of Pat's recommendation to close the case. In early May 2013, about one month after DCFS closed its case, his teacher, Miss Garcia, called Maria and left voice messages stating Gabriel had returned to school after a long absence, which would probably be them 37 days, and he, she claimed he looked horrible, with a solid red eye, skin peeling off his forehead, scabs and marks on his neck, Gabriel told people at school that he had, I lost my place, oh, that he had been injured while riding his bike. Maria did not respond to any of Garcia's messages, which, how are you, one, how are you not going to respond to anything like that? That, that's just mind-blowing to me. Mm, they make me so mad. I'm telling you, this whole case makes me mad. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm snacking. <laughs> um, so like I said, she didn't respond to her messages. On May 23rd, 2013, Pearl called 911 and reported that Gabriel had fallen in the bath. Gabriel arrived in the emergency room unresponsive. He had suffered open skull fractures, 
multiple other fractions, fractures, not fractions, a broken nose, missing teeth, burns and cuts and bruises on his face and throughout his body. He also had internal injuries, including a large liver laceration, pulmonary, I think I pronounced that right, contusions, and swollen lesions throughout his body with embedded metal BB BB pellets. Medical interventions failed, and Gabriel died the next day. The coroner, James Ribb, testified that Gabriel had ligature marks on both ankles, marks from being whipped with a cord, and puncture wounds, as well as BBs embedded in Gabriel's body. Some of his wounds may have been days to a few weeks old, others weeks to months old. Gabriel had broken ribs, some which have healed and may have been at least three or four weeks old. Dr. Rib opined that Gabriel died of blunt force trauma to the head, excarbated by his weakened condition due to long-term injuries, which were malnutrition and neglect. Peronosaro, or like I said before, referred to as Tony, were arrested of Gabriel's murder. They said something else. I mean, I guess I guess they said they were convicted. Everybody and anybody who knows the stories knows they were convicted. I just put murdered. I, you know, some people didn't probably haven't heard the story i i don't know um but sadly the four caseworkers who were involved were not charged because they said i think they said the child wasn't in their care or something like that but you failed this little boy just like his mom and stepdad did because when social workers are brought into the home to investigate, you're supposed to do your job. You should have been updating body charts. You should have pushed harder to get him out of the situation. You saw the marks. I mean, come on, how many times can a parent use an excuse? Oh, he fell out of a bed. He fell off of a bike. I mean, if a kid is telling his teacher... My mom shot me with um, a BB gun, like stuff like that. You have to, you have to take serious. They, in my opinion, they didn't do enough, and they failed so bad. And I think if they would have actually did their job, he could have been saved, and he wouldn't have had to die. And they just failed, but. They were not charged, sadly, which infuriates me. So, that that's just sad. Um, so, some other things that Gabriel endured while in Pearl and Asaro's care. He was being 
forced to sleep bound and gagged in a small cupboard. Um, I don't know if people have seen the doc series of the trials of Gabriel Fernandez, but in the trial, they actually bring the box he was in and present it as evidence. And you just saw, like, dry blood. You, you just saw all of this stuff. And he was forced to sleep in it. And from what I heard on the doc series, he was actually forced to spend a lot of time in there in the dark. Um, he was given cold baths, pepper sprayed, burned with cigarettes, and forced to eat spoiled or expired food. Um, according to the siblings, while Gabriel was being abused by his parents, they would just laugh about it like it was funny. And there's nothing, nothing funny to abuse a child who you carried for nine months for you to sit there and do that to them. That's not okay. Um, now, I read, in, I read in some things when I was interested in this case before. The cold baths, um, I read they put him in cold baths um, to try to get rid of, like, the bruises, like, quicker, or if that didn't work, they'd put, like, makeup on him to try to, like, conceal them, so he wouldn't look like they just beat the hell out of that poor child. They, they tried to cover things up. Um, a sorrow reportedly abused Gabriel because he believed he was homosexual. I just want to know, how is that even an excuse? How? That's not even an excuse. Who cares if he was gay? But at the same time, he was eight years old. Who cares if he was gay? That is a piss poor excuse for you to beat a child to death. Because Asaro was like six foot and you were 200 and something pounds. This eight-year-old boy who is helpless, who can't defend himself on somebody like that. It's just wrong. Um, the abuse and the torture did not, do, did not extend to the other siblings. Um, so, I mean... That, that's great that it didn't happen to any, it didn't happen to the other siblings, but personally it shouldn't have happened to any of them. It shouldn't have happened to Gabriel at all. And the other two, I can't believe, I can only imagine what they had to have witnessed. I mean, that's, that's sad. They shouldn't have had to see their brother go through that and Gabriel shouldn't have had to go through that. You know, and all the people he's he told, the only person that helped was his teacher. She called. She, um, she called, I mean, his grandparents, his, the uncle, his husband, they've made reports. Like I've said in part one, they did that. They, they tried to help. 
but DCFS just was not. They just did not do their job, and they failed this child. And at the end um, of this, I actually am going to mention another child as soon as I find his name. And it's it's going to blow your mind. It blows, it blows my mind every time I think of this case. But that's where we're actually going to end on part two. Like I said, I didn't think it was going to be as long as the other, as long as the first one. Um, this is a rough case, so I try to do little by little. But Friday, we will have the I will have the final part up for you of the Gabriel Fernandez. In that part three, we are going to go into depth of Asaro's trial. And Pearl's trial. We're going to hear from Gabriel's real father. And what he said on the stand. And stuff like that. And we're just going to... We're going to see how... I mean, I know how it goes. And anybody who's watched the doc series knows how it turns out. And stuff like that. So that's where we're going to... That's where part three will take us into the trials. And that is part two, folks. Um, follow me on Instagram at just a girl and true crime. Send me an email at just a girl and true crime at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook, not fo- you follow it or join. The Facebook group at Just a Girl in True Crime. Um, I also have my main Instagram, which is HeavenMarie22, I believe. You can follow that as well. Share this with your friends. I enjoy talking to you guys. I promise I won't. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do any, like crazy cases um that are this bad i mean all all the cases i've done they're horrible but this one i'm really struggling with like i said it's definitely hard oh my table just moved but like i said follow me on social media i'm thinking about making a snapchat um for people who want share this with your friends um and i will be talking to you guys Friday for the third and final part of Gabriel Fernandez.